That's it. It's just one page. It's just a one page lesson. If you hang on to it for Yeah, everybody. Everybody gets a new lesson. Everybody gets a new sheet. Did some this uh, this particular lesson is a lesson of um, that really hopefully will make you think. Uh, we will be doing some Bible study within it, but I, there there's some things there that I want to get into that you will hopefully be able to appreciate even personally as far as your own personal development uh, when it comes to your life with Jesus Christ. And I thought that the questions were very interesting that are being posed here. And as we continue the study, we'll go ahead and uh, get into this in more detail as we go further down the road. Down the road. Did you ever? Okay. Oh, okay. Um, <laughs> let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer and we'll get started. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you for this time you've given us to just come together and sit and hear you, through the power of the Spirit, speak to us. We thank you for this time of study. We thank you for this time where we can get together and just gather and share and also be helpful in the process of helping to edify and build up and encourage others. We thank you, Lord, and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. This is the first of the Summer Bible Study Hour. Uh, that's what I'm calling it. <laughs> but the study is going to be based upon content from uh, Jennifer Rothschild's Missing Pieces Bible Study. Uh, it's a very interesting study. The study was originally uh, designed for women, but I think us guys sometimes just miss out because we don't really get to see some of these great studies that are put forth specifically for women. Well, I'm taking the opportunity now to have it go to both men and women, which is the way it should be. Um, we should be able to look at this. And it's not women's content per se. It's really content for everyone. Um, and I, I wanted you to be aware that this is a study that's supposed to go normally like seven sessions. I don't know if it's going to be seven sessions or not. It may go longer than that based upon the content that I add into it. Um, but we'll, we'll see how it goes. But uh, I'm prayerful that you will look at this objectively as a human being and look at your life and see where you are in your development. And if it doesn't even apply so much to you, understand that your not new mission, um, just like Mission Impossible, your new mission is you are disciples of Jesus Christ and you are going to be discipling other people and you're going to be sharing and talking to other people. And some of the things that we actually will talk about may be shared with you by another person. And for you to be able to answer questions or help someone to be guided, that's going to be ultimately your goal. So it has a twofold purpose. Purpose is going to be for your own personal built and personal built building and growth but also the ability for you to witness and minister to other people. That's going to be very, very important. Look at the first verse in this introduction here. James chapter 1, verses 2 through 4. It says, Consider it a great joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you experience various trials, because you know that the testing of your faith produces endurance. And let endurance have its full effect, so that you may be mature and complete, Lacking nothing. Now this verse was just randomly popped up on my computer when I turned it on the other day. And I'm saying, what a great way to lead into this study by recognizing that you are going to experience trials. You have experienced trials. Amen? Amen. Everyone in this room has been going through different trials, different issues, different things. And it basically does what? Tests your faith. Endurance is the issue. Getting through and being able to endure. The endurance is the E in the word image that we've talked about here in our different classes and different seminars. E represents endurance. Endurance is really, really important. 
the exact opposite of endurance is to not endure, which is not a good thing. So endurance is a necessary element of your faith and belief in Jesus Christ. So let endurance have its full effect so that you may be mature and complete, lacking nothing. Maturity in Christ, maturity in faith is the key. We are all looking to become mature and now even more mature. Because the mature believer is going to be the one who is able to witness to other people. That's the maturity that we're referring to. If you're not so mature, you're not going to be as great of a witness to others. You're not going to be as good at discipling other people. So maturity is the key here. But we have to put up with a lot of stuff. And that's fine. But we understand that those things are part of these things that we're experiencing are are helping us to build our character in Christ. Build our character in Jesus Christ. That's what we need to understand. Okay? This study will primarily focus upon seeing God's loving presence in the midst of adversity. Seeing God's loving presence in the midst of adversity. And who doesn't want that? Because we are going to experience adversity. Some of us in this room have experienced a lot of adversity in very recent time. And we need to understand that these are all things that happen from time to time. We've gone through a great deal, but now we need to see God's loving presence in the midst of that. Because the natural thing from the flesh is to what? Think when you're going through something difficult, you're all alone. You're not being... You don't know where God is. You're looking for him in these things that are happening. Well, we want you to recognize that he never leaves. He's never left you. But sometimes we just have blinders on and we can't see what's actually going on. Yes, sir. That's right. It's not written to the world. That's right. And these men had faults just like I have faults. I have faults every day. And I was telling her that I fight demonic spirit because the Bible said we fight not against flesh and blood. So my faith is always tested every day. A lot of times I don't I don't make it. Mm-hmm. But I wanted to get to share this with you too. It says, bear ye one another burdens and so fill ye the love. Now where is that passage at? That's in Galatians chapter six. Okay. Galatians 6, 2? Yeah, but 6, 1 is where that's the key. If a brother's overtaken of a fault, which is showing you, he's talking to the body. He's not talking to the world. So if, if I'm a brother and I yeah. have a fault, yep. there should be somebody here that I can come to who can aid me in my crisis. Because I have a lot of situations. I have a lot of crisis. Mm-hmm. So what sustains me more mm-hmm. is you got this. That's why I put the word. You got this precious word. And that's right. That's right. We absolutely have to have people in our lives. This is, this is the responsibility of every believer. To surround yourself with people in your lives, namely, obviously, people within the body of Christ, within your church, that you can talk to, that you can pull aside, that you can have a conversation with. And not feel like you know you're either bearing your soul or giving your life away, but you're, but you are essentially you need someone like that in your life. And understand something: God is the one who puts those people in your life. You have to know that. You have to understand that. You know, trust me. All we hear about are people who commit suicide. Well, those people have people in their lives usually. It just depends upon whether or not they reach out to them and call on them. That may avert that very act from taking place. We need need to have and rely upon people in our lives. The worst thing you can do as a believer is to close yourself off to other people. 
Yes, you can rely upon the Lord, but you know what? The Lord sends people in your life for you to talk to. We need to understand that. That's part of this maturity thing. Allowing your faith to be filling in in these gaps where you have a lack of faith. It's God that's giving you what you need to be able to do that. So there are times when life doesn't make sense and things just don't go our way. Amen? Amen? Everybody here knows that. And this is going to be some very real stuff that we'll talk about. And it's not meant to be a downer. It's meant to be an encouragement, frankly. You're not alone in when you go through things. You're not alone. It may be a different color. It may be a different texture. It may be a different flavor. But all of us go through stuff. Amen? Those of you who know me and my history here at this church know that I've been through some stuff. I don't brag about it. I don't talk about it. You, you know all about it. For those of you who have been there, it's been very public. And so in, in that respect, you know, you, you kind of bear your soul a little bit, but you also know that you have the grace of God's people around you. You have God's grace with his presence that's around you. And you trust that the decisions being made are the right decisions. And all I can tell you is that today I am blessed beyond measure. Because you don't see these things when they happen the first time, but you realize that it's just God moving something out of the way for something better. And you just have to trust it. It's a matter of faith. So that's just something that I'm just going to put out there and share because I didn't plan on doing that, but it occurs to me that it's very real. It does happen. It doesn't happen immediately. It doesn't happen in a minute. It may take a few years. It may take a year. And it can take a lifetime. But you have to be patient. You have to have God's patience in that. And in my case, it took a little over a year. So it was a good thing. And I'm very blessed. Yes. Believed, yeah. That's right. You have to believe. Yep. And believing is the key. Right. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to cut you off. Oh, okay. All right. So let's look at these questions here. Here are some things that you may say to want, may wonder to yourself that you may never express out loud. That's the key word. These are questions that you in your own faith may have personally and you may never say them out loud. Because if you say them out loud, you'd be afraid that somebody say, are you crazy? Like, what's wrong with you? You're supposed to be a believer. See, one thing we have to always be cautious about, too, is to never jump all over folks when they're struggling. And there's no such thing as a stupid question. Amen? And this is something we have to learn, too, when we're counseling other people. You might wonder, why would someone say something like this? But you've got to understand, this is how they're processing life. And this applies to believers. When the hard stuff becomes personal, our questions to God may be very intense and piercing. And I have the questions italicized. If God is so good, then why do we suffer? It's a legitimate question. Why are children treated unjustly or even abused? Now, I added that because we have a lot of stuff that's out there now about pedophiles that are just going to town. And people having to resign from office or, or sexual abuse, that type of thing. Why are children being projected you know, to do these things? We, we can take time, this entire class, and answer that question, but we won't do that. Because we know we live in Satan's domain. Amen? Why doesn't God heal when he is capable? Another interesting question. We know that God is the healer. We, we talk about this in the, in the, when we talk about having fellowship with Jesus Christ and understanding who Jesus Christ is. He is a healer. Savior, sanctifier, healer, and coming king. You see injustice in the world, 
God, is this fair? A spouse leaves. God, do you care? You get a pink slip instead of a paycheck. God, are you aware? Some of us have been through that before. You wonder if you will ever stop feeling lonely because you long for a baby, a spouse, a friend. God, are you there? That's a very real question for a lot of people. You ask God for years to help you lose weight, be more patient, overcome your temper. God, do you hear my prayer? Nothing in your life seems to make sense and you just feel like you could have your own book of the Bible, just like Job. God, do you err? Now, that's a question you have to understand. Not everyone's going to ask that question because they know what they've been taught. But understand something. When something is happening to you, it affects you much more deeply than another person. It's more superficial when you hear it coming from someone else and you have empathy for them, but it's completely different if you experience it. Completely different. That's why it's important for us when we are discipling other people to be courteous, let them talk, Let them just dump themselves and understand that they don't see the God that we should be seeing because of all the turmoil that's taking place. And if you'll notice something about these questions, a lot of these questions don't have immediate answers. In fact, all of them don't have immediate answers. We as a people naturally are inquisitive. We want answers to questions. But sometimes those answers are just not there. Or they're just not ready to be dealt with. And sometimes, honestly, we ask questions we may never get an answer for them. That's tough. That's a hard thing. Where it says J.R., that's where Jennifer Rothschild is going to be writing her text. And I'm just going to give you that and, as a heads up so that you know what J.R. represents. Okay. It says, because I became blind as a teenager, I have asked all of these questions. Jennifer Rothschild is a very interesting person. She actually was, she thought she was going to be a cartoonist and an artist. But retinitis pigmentosa at age 15 took most of her sight. So she had to change course. Because what she thought was her heart had to change. Because if you can't see, you know, and now you're fighting with God, how come I can't see anymore? Why is it retinitis pigmentosa? Why am I having to deal with that? So I'm just giving you a little bit of flavor as to the person who's writing this. They have the potential to create missing pieces in our faith. We aren't the only ones with missing pieces, though. For thousands of years, both the faithful and faithless have had questions. Did you hear that? For thousands of years, the faithful and faithless have had questions. Which means, if you're a human being and you're breathing, you're going to have questions about a lot of things especially when you're going through difficulty. Okay. In the 7th century B.C., Habakkuk was a prophet. The people of Judah were doing evil things, and Habakkuk asked God, How long, Lord, must I call for help, and you do not listen? Why do you force me to look at injustice? That's from Habakkuk 1, verses 2 and 3. God responded that Judah was to be attacked by the Chaldeans. See verse 6. Habakkuk's people were about to suffer greatly, and he just didn't understand. His questions were a product of missing pieces in his faith. Now let's take a look at Habakkuk. You don't go to Habakkuk very long. It's not a very long uh, set of books, but we're going to read some of this. I want to give you a little bit of flavor as to what is actually being referenced here by 
Ms. Rothschild in her, in her writing here. Habakkuk chapter 1. Does everybody know have Habakkuk yet? Do you know where to find Habakkuk? It's one of the last prophets. It's after Nahum and before Zephaniah. Does that help you? <laughs> if you? If you don't get back over there very often, it may or may not help you, but it's towards the back of the Old Testament. It's the fifth book back from Malachi. There you go. It's a good excuse to go and look, go to a place you haven't been very often. How's that? Habakkuk chapter 1. Verse 1, I'm reading from the Christian Standard Bible. The pronouncement that the prophet Habakkuk saw. And the next uh, verse comes under Habakkuk's complaint. Verse 2, how long, Lord, must I call for help and you do not listen or cry out to you about violence and you do not save? Why do you force me to look at injustice? Why do you tolerate wrongdoing? Oppression and violence are right in front of me. Strife is ongoing and conflict escalates. This is why the law is ineffective and justice never emerges. For the wicked restrict the righteous, therefore justice comes out perverted. Now let me tell you something about these verses. You could be living out on Copley Road or on, in some place, in some inner city in America and be witnessing these very things right before your eyes. Amen? Amen. Okay. Let's just be real about it. There's lawlessness out there. There are people who don't care about law, don't care about police, don't care about anything but themselves. And they're going to do what they want to do to perpetrate and make victims of other people just to get something for themselves. And we understand that this lawlessness is not just lawlessness against the laws here, but lawlessness against our Father in heaven. It's ungodly behavior. That's what Habakkuk is witnessing. It's ungodly behavior. Ungodly behavior essentially is what it is. People doing people wrong. People stealing from other people. People, you know, tricking people out of money. People ripping people off at the gas pump with the credit card numbers. It's all the same. It's all the same. By the way, never use a debit card in your gas pump. Always use a credit card. Did you know that? Well, I just told you. Use a credit card. Your debit card is tied to what? Your bank account. Your credit card, you can always contest the charges and have them stopped and canceled. But if you use a debit card... You have a, you'll have a much bigger problem with that. So you just learn something. Always use a credit card. When if you, obviously, you're going to go places where they're well lit. You're going to go to a gas station, a gas pump where you have. You can see that they actually do check those things. But always do that from now on. I, I'm only speaking from experience because I went through this. So, you know, if I go through something, I'll share it with you and let you know. Sometimes there are things you have to just watch for and avoid. But always use a credit card when you pump your gas at the pump. Okay? There you go. There's a public service announcement for the day. Everybody going to talk about, they didn't talk about nothing in Sunday school, but about using a credit card at the gas pump. Yes, did you have your... <laughs> oh, oh uh, there you go. Or pay cash. I mean, you know, if you, if you don't have a credit card, but just pay cash. But ultimately, that's what you, you don't use a debit card. You don't use your debit card. Okay? All right. So let's look at this. Verse 5. Now the Lord, of course, he's a prophet, so the Lord is going to answer Habakkuk. And understand that the things that we see today are not always going to be this way. But just like Johnny said, it may take a lifetime. We just may not see it right away. But it's not always going to be this way because there is a judgment coming. Amen? There is a reckoning that is coming. But we just don't know the timing of it. 
But in this particular case, God is very specific. Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Amen. You won't believe it when you hear about it. Look, I am raising up the Chaldeans, that bitter, impetuous nation that marches across the earth's open spaces to seize territories not its own. They are fierce and terrifying. Their views of, it, views of justice and sovereignty stem from themselves. Now, what is this actually saying here, before you get too deep into this? So Judah is acting crazy. The folks there are being lawless and not doing what they should be doing. So God's going to raise up the Chaldeans, another lawless bunch of folks, to come and ultimately judge on his behalf. God will use anyone and everyone, whether faithful or faithless, to carry out His will. You got that? And understand, the Chaldeans, when this was written around 700 B.C., the Chaldeans, after all this took place, they kind of went away. They went away, if you do it, look back and look at history, and just kind of got dispersed and scattered, because they no longer were functioning as a nation because God judged them. So ultimately, we have to understand, even though we think people are getting away with something, they're not. We don't always see the results of that, but lawlessness is lawlessness no matter who's performing it. The Chaldeans, not long after this, almost ceased to exist. Okay. It's getting kind of excited there. Excuse me. (laughs) Their horses are swifter than leopards and more fierce than wolves of the night. Their horsemen charge ahead. Their horsemen come from distant lands. They fly like eagles swooping to devour. Now, these don't sound like very weak people. They sound like they're very strong. It sounds like they've got a lot behind them. But God allowed them to do what they're doing. All of them come to do violence. Their faces are set in determination. They gather prisoners like sand. They mock kings and rulers are a joke to them. They laugh at every fortress and build siege ramps to capture it. Then they sweep by like the wind and pass through. They are guilty. Their strength is their God. Not God the Father, but whatever God that they're worshiping after. Now, when you read this, you almost have to consider that the times we live in, there are people that are just like this. They're not following after God the Father. They're following after their own God, whether it be money or whether it be power or whether it be structure or whatever it is. There's a lot that you can take from this and compare it to the times you live in today. And understand that there are people, you might have individuals doing stuff like this, but there are groups of people that get together and plan this stuff. Yes, Pearl. I was going to say, just to piggyback on what Donna said earlier, you have to believe, too. Your faith has to be strong enough that, number one, when you're going through something, still have to be in tune with God's ways, God's will, even though you may not understand where you're at or why it's happening. Uh, some of you, I shared a situation that happened to me last year when I took a position. I came out of that position in December, and I just was, I just said, you know what, I'm going to cut my losses. Mm-hmm. And it was wrong the way that, that was even handled, the supervisor, mm-hmm. just some things that she did, but I was like, okay, I told HR, they don't want me to send me back to my old position, and that's what I did. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the supervisors that was co-training, co-supervisor with my supervisor said, you still want to handle this work? Because she saw some things, and she, you know, and mm-hmm. I understood, she had her own, mm-hmm. she, she needed the whole thing. Sure. Well, just to give an update on that, in June, that same old ugliness came back up again. Right. They wanted to give me an evaluation, gave me all this ugly stuff, 
And you know what? When I went up, I prayed and I said, God, just give me a report. And I went up, did the evaluation, and I looked at the program manager that was giving it to me, the piece of paper. I said, who wrote this? And I, I mean, I just took a bold stand. I said, who wrote this? And I pushed it back to her. I said, I will not be signing this. Mm -mm. And when she told me who had wrote it, that same supervisor that gave me hell, uh, she done had a nervous breakdown. They done removed her out of position. They done gave her some time off. And I looked at Carolyn and I said, why would she allow her to write now? I said, you and I both know there was an issue. I said, and this is not a personal attack, but I won't be signing this. I will be writing a rebuttal. And I did. I wrote the rebuttal. The Lord blessed where uh, I had a, a, a friend of mine that had a, a friend and a contact over in WACC. Mm -hmm. He called me at 1030 one night and said, I didn't say he had a situation. Yada, yada, yada. We talked. He said, in the morning, you sent me your rebuttal and everything. And he looked at it and he said, oh, I don't need to send it. He said, who wrote this? Mm -hmm. uh, he, he, he asked me who wrote my rebuttal. I said, well, I did. He said, oh, I ain't got to do nothing with this. He said, this is professional. He said, it's factual. He said, it's on point. He said, I'm sitting in charge. He said, matter of fact, uh, I'm personal friends with the second in command over at that same institution. <laughs> so he said, I'm calling Jason first thing in the morning. Mm -hmm. And he did. And it took me a little bit. I didn't know what was going to come of it. I stepped to the fact. Personally attacking none in my rebuttal, and I just stood on what I knew. And mm -hmm. when I left the position, I said, God, I don't know what's happening here, but I know you know. That's right. And I, I just simply said to the Lord, I, you know what, I'm just going to let this play out, and if this is what you have for me, then fine. Okay. Well, Tuesday, uh, I finally met with our new HR director, and she said she looked at it and said, oh, this is just all wrong. <laughs> She said, she looked at it, she said, who cares what happened in a six-month position? She was like, oh, you were outside of some realm, so she gave me both things that I asked for. I asked for that evaluation disappear, and it did not be attached to my record. She said, this did not go anywhere. She said, when it got signed, the other pieces to it, it's being filed 13. She said, number two, she said, well, I don't know if I can open my books back up for next year, but... Uh, I said, well, technically, I didn't need a position till December. I said, so January is fine with me. And you said, so she gave me my payback. She said, I don't know we can give you back to the top of the round where you were at, but we'll meet the car. I said, 5% is what the contract says. It's all I should have lost. So I'll take that. So it puts my family okay. right back up. So they blessed, they gave me everything. So God mm -hmm. worked it out. <laughs> it took some time, though. It, it, it took a few minutes, a few few hours. <laughs> yes. So the big, big boss that allowed it all to happen, somebody told me the other day, she was on a rampage last week. She was mad and then didn't nobody know why she was mad. But the big boss over her sat in that meeting and told me, oh, I had a very good conversation. She said, but you do understand we had to talk with our attorneys and everything else. I said, yeah, I understand that, and I kind of see with that. She said, you went to NAACP. She said, you were a little disgruntled. I said, not necessarily disgruntled. I said, I did that before I came to HR because I had to make sure of what I was looking at and what, mm -hmm. you know. So she understood that, mm -hmm. you know. Yep. Um, yep. So it was. It was scary. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if there was going to be some type of retaliation. I didn't mm -hmm. know if, you know, I was going to have to push farther, mm -hmm. uh, get a, 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 actually go get an attorney. Mm -hmm. But God worked it out. And yep. it was through, I believe, my obedience to him that I went out ugly when the situation went down. Mm -hmm. I was... Uh, but I, I kept my mouth closed and I mm -hmm. just graciously went on back to the other position. So yeah. my faith, uh, I believe my obedience in still uh, mm -hmm. being a witness for him, yeah. uh, he yeah. worked it out for me. Now, just so you know, I'm going to get Johnny one second because he had his hand up too. Sometimes the outcome is very good. Just to be real here because I don't want you to think in any way, shape, or form that even if you're patient and you're prayerful that everything's going to come out exactly the way you want to. 
sometimes it comes out in favor of someone like Pearl after taking some time. Sometimes it doesn't. So this study is going to talk about that. Sometimes it doesn't. Because we have just as many good stories, we have stories where we don't really have any answers to any questions any further along than what we had from before. And praise the Lord when it comes out good. Because he's worthy of our praise because he truly is in the midst of everything. But we also need to know that he also deserves our praise even when things don't come out the way we think they should come out. Yeah. That's right. That's right. Yeah. You. Right. You still have to come to the place to say, it is well with my soul. That takes maturity. It is well with my soul. Those are tough words to say sometimes. But those are words that you have to come back to and say, you know what? I'm still here and the Lord is still with me. Johnny, go ahead. I'm sorry. Habakkuk. There are two different pronunciations of that. I, I actually know that. It, say who? What, what am I talking about? Some dude down the corner? No. <laughs> yes. Verse five in chapter one. Look at the nations. That one, chapter one, right? Look at the nations and observe. Be utterly astounded, for I am doing something in your days that you will not believe when you hear about it. Yeah, okay. And the work that I work for you, you won't even believe it. Well, you will work a work. That's right. why I brought this back up. Yep. It's because uh, uh, Paul uses these two verses. Okay, yeah. In Acts 13, 40, and 41. Okay. Because Israel was idol worshippers. This is why God didn't want mm-hmm. to mix with the heathens. He didn't want the heathens to rub off on them. Mm-hmm. But they were just as dirty as the heathens were before God ultimately made them clean with God intervening in their lives. Yep. But the Bible says there is none righteous, no, not one, no way. So, yep. But anyway, they were under this adultery. Mm-hmm. I don't worship this stuff, you know, worship the creation more than God. And so uh, mm-hmm. they did repent of But okay. all this thing, that, and this work that God was going to do, a work that no man would really believe, what Christ was going to do. Yep. Amen. Understand that if you go all through the Bible, you're going to find instances where the people stray from God's word, his commands. It's all throughout scripture. It's a really it's a constant reminder of our depravity as a people. We are depraved. We are people who will do things for our own pleasures, we will do things for our own purposes for our own our own sinful nature is ever present we have a constant struggle to stay true to god's word we just need to keep that in mind as we read stuff like this because understand something when you do something wrong god knows about it he knows about it you ain't getting away with nothing ain't no getting away with nothing It might be allowed to happen, but you're not going to get away with it. And when you see all the evil that takes place and you wonder, God, are you paying attention? Oh, yes, he is. You may not think he is, but he is. But he's not going to talk to you about that. He will take care of you personally if you pray to him about what your personal issues are. Let's go back to Habakkuk. Or how'd you pronounce it again? 
Habakkuk. I'll look that up. I'm, I think there's more than one pronunciation. I know we've gone through this before. Somewhere <laughs> I've had this conversation. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Yeah, I got you. You can call me Ray. You can call me Jay. You can call me Johnny. You can call me Sonny. Yeah, I know. It's the way it sees you. That's right. Very good. I know. You can call me RJ, RJJ Jr. Okay. Let's go back to verse 12. (laughs) Some of you old timers might know where that comes from. Um, Are you not from eternity, Lord my God? My Holy One, this is Habakkuk's. Second complaint. He's writing, he's saying it again. Are you not from eternity, Lord my God, my holy one, you will not die. Lord, you appointed them to execute judgment. My rock, you destined them to punish us. Your eyes are too pure to look on evil and you cannot tolerate wrongdoing. So why do you tolerate those who are treacherous? Another question. Why are you silent while one who is wicked swallows up one who is more righteous than himself? You ever had that argument before? This person's doing so well, and some guy who's doing all, 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 all everything but no good, including no good, messes with somebody who's righteous. That's a, that's a tough thing to see sometimes. You have made mankind like the fish of the sea, like marine creatures that have no ruler. Verse 15, the Chaldeans pull them up all up with a hook, catch them in their dragnet, and gather them in their fishing net, That is why they are glad and rejoice, because they think they're getting away with it. That is why they sacrifice to their dragnet and burn incense to their fishing net. For these things, their portion is rich and their food plentiful. Will they therefore empty their net and continually slaughter nations without mercy? Very legitimate questions. And you have to understand, he's seeing all this stuff happening. You know, word gets out. Reputations are out there about the Chaldeans and their behavior. They do what they want to do. And they laugh about it. You've seen that. You've seen people who bully other people. They laugh about it. They think it's funny. They do what they want to do. It's a very real thing when you can compare what you're reading here to real life. And understand something. Bullying is what drives up suicides for kids. If you understand that, that's what's taking place. Kids aren't just killing themselves because they wake up one day and say, oh, I'm just going to kill myself. Something has to happen to drive that way of thinking. And usually it's intimidation and bullying. Pardon me? Workplace bullying is also very prominent. Workplace bullying, that's right. You just, when you think you're growing up, right? Oh, no. You got folks that will follow you. There is workplace bullying. There is workplace intimidation. There is workplace sexual harassment. And people can't complain because they're fear for their jobs. They don't want to make waves. I mean, there's probably so much stuff that HR doesn't know. When you go to a human resources department, they only hear about the stuff that's really bad because it's usually pretty obvious. It's very seldom they hear from people. There was a guy that used to be a supervisor at our company. And he was bullying or intimidating some of his people. But it wasn't public knowledge. Well... One of the employees had to write an anonymous note, and not just an anonymous note. You know how you cut out the different pieces of paper? <laughs> I mean, it looked like, like, like a ransom note. You, you cut out the different text from different mail, so they couldn't detect the handwriting of the person that was sending the note. And sent an anonymous note, not once, but twice, to human resources. So they had to look into it. And that person wound up having to take early retirement. Not when they had planned to. Because basically the allegations were there and they were very specific allegations and they were very down to 
the time and the date when they occurred, and they were corroborated. But you see what has to happen sometimes. Someone has to take a step and take a leap of faith to do something like that, to have injustice dealt with. Now, that should be us. That should always be us. It's a very courageous thing to do. It's not an easy thing to do, but you have to understand that if you are standing for righteousness, you should not stand by while unrighteousness takes place. Amen? You should not allow unrighteousness to stand. Sometimes it's people like us who have to take that stand on behalf of other people. Yes. Yeah. He left earlier than he wanted to leave. Let's put it that way. If you, if you, is either you leave or you get fired. You know, your 401k is going to stay intact. There's not, you're not going to do anything with that. So ultimately you leave or you get fired. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. 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 He honored that. Listen. Sure. Now, and again, that's a great example where we have to do what we should be doing to stand for righteousness. This is all in your discipling other people as well, too. Always stand for the righteousness of God. Don't compromise it. Now, I know we heard the first bell, and I think that was the second bell or the first bell? Second? You're getting ready to read in the second. Well, well that, means, that means we're going to stop here. <laughs> So we're going to pick up in this, in uh, where we left off. And I knew that was going to happen because there's a lot of content here to look at. I wanted to cover these passages and follow through with this about what this focus is. Understand something. What happens at the end of this is that even though there is great devastation, Habakkuk says, my God is sufficient. Not a happy ending type of story. His attitude, for example, was much different than Jonah's attitude at the end of Jonah. If you want to make a comparison, Jonah was like bitter and angry at the end. You just don't really know what happened to Jonah after that. It's a fascinating story. All right, so we'll pick up next week. Where we left off. Yes, sir. Philippians? It's not the sixth chapter, the sixth verse, you mean. What verse? You talking about First Timothy? Yeah, because there's no six chapters in Philippians. First Timothy six one, six six, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we can take nothing out. Yeah. Yep. And you know what? That is absolutely true. But I also know that verses need context 
and need in some of our cases, when we go through extreme circumstances, some sort of reconciliation. That's the way I'm going to put it. Because even though the verses are there to affirm us, sometimes we need something more. We do. I mean, we we understand the Word is there to help us. You can give all kinds of great verses to folks, but they may not be adequate. Yes. Yes. Right. And they grow up and they have had hardships. Yes. And then you try to tell them about this loving God and this good God. Yeah. And they can't make that connection. How do you do that? Yeah. Right. And I said, so for some people, we were just saying, I said, it's almost like you don't even want to throw a verse at them because Mm-mm. they're not even there to hear it because how could that God allow this to occur? That's right. That's why we have to be very cautious about how we use Scripture in counseling people. It's not enough to just throw scriptures out there and say, well, this is what the word says. Well, the guy says, I don't care what the word says. I know what happened to me. I know what was allowed to happen. And a sovereign God allows a lot of stuff to happen. We already know that. That's what makes this very challenging. All right, we have to stop because we're over time. But I thank you for bring all this energy back next week (laughs) because we're going to continue the study. Father, thank you for this time you've given us to come before you and, Lord, just hear you speak to us. And, Lord, help us to see things. And we thank you for the sharing that's taken place today just because it it is impactful. We do see that it does matter about how people see things, understand things, and how sometimes we don't understand what happens to us. But, Lord, we do rely upon you to help to explain and show us At the very least, if we don't get answers, we see and feel your presence. We thank you for this. We thank you for the upcoming classes that this has revealed as time goes on more and more. And we thank you that we also are able to disciple others in a very careful and cautious way, allowing the Spirit to speak to us the words that we need to say. We pray now for the upcoming message and the speaker, and we give you praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you. We'll see you next time. Hang on to your sheets, please.